Hey everyone, Saul Marquez here. Have you launched your podcast already and discovered what a pain it could be to keep up with editing, production, show notes, transcripts, and operations? What if you could turn over the keys to your podcast busy work while you do the fun stuff like expanding your network and taking the industry stage? Let us edit your first episode for free so you can experience the freedom. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here. Today, I have an outstanding guest here for us. His name is Joe Bakhti. He is the founder and CEO of QuantGene. His work in machine learning, sequencing technology, and DNA extraction procedures defines the cutting edge of genomic diagnostics, early disease detection, and precision medicine. Prior to QuantGene, Joe founded I2X, an investment framework that composes low-risk venture capital portfolios across large numbers of technology startups. The I2X platform laid important foundations for advanced analytics in both financial and biotechnology applications, such as the QuantGene machine learning platform. Bakhti holds a master's in economics and psychology from Tübingen University, one of Germany's leading academic institutions with a focus on financial theory and statistics. He kicked off his career at WPP and Omnicom, where he held strategy and executive director positions. Beyond his focus on technology and the future of medicine, Bakhti is dedicated to bringing together the best and brightest and transforming them into pioneers, pushing the boundaries of health, life, and innovation for all. Joe, just a privilege to have you here. Thanks for joining us. So it's a it's a privilege to be here. And I yeah, I heard great things. I'm, I'm looking forward to the podcast. Hey, likewise. So before we dive into Quant Gene and really the just very impressive work that you and your team are doing there, tell us a little bit about you and what inspires your work in healthcare. Yeah, I think my my story might be a little unusual because as you mentioned, I'm an economist by trade and a little psychology in there. The reason I, I didn't study medicine is actually because I got my medical education the first 19 years of my life at home. I grew up in a home where I had two parents who are very passionate doctors, but more importantly, bioscientists, both went into research. Um, my dad is a professor for microbiology and super passionate. So, you know, since I can remember, I got my lessons at the dinner table about, you know, alpha toxins and membrane and pore building proteins and all kinds of things. And so that was very exciting, but also the practice of microbiology behind the scenes. Uh, he was in charge of one of the largest states in Germany for the disease, for infectious disease, you know, reaction and, and, and what people can do about it. So I, I got a firsthand insight into medicine behind the scenes, right? What, what happens when primary care fails? What happens if you have infectious diseases, rare diseases, but also common things, and they get escalated and people die because mistakes are being made? And that kind of shaped my perspective of medicine. So I got a very scientific rundown of medicine and also insight into the failure of the system, you know, where bad things happen on a pretty significant scale every day. Um, when you only see the bad stuff, it's kind of a little disturbing. But after, when I was 19, I just thought, okay, I get it. I know enough of that. I want to also see something else. And that's why what brought me into business and economics, uh, which is the, the other question, you know, how does the world actually work money-wise, not just business, but economics. And it all came back, you know, in the end, when I got engaged in, in innovation, investing in venture capital with a focus on biotech, uh, or one of the focus was biotech. And yeah, then it all came together in 2015, when a family member actually did some research into cancer detection through different means and asked me for help on a math problem and sequencing problem. 
because that was kind of a little bit of a hobby of mine. And we solved, I think, a very big question in, in, in cancer genomics relates to detection. And when I solved that problem, which was a pure math problem or machine learning problem, the solution struck me as very crazy because the solution basically told me, okay, if that is true, and I'm pretty sure it's true, we can detect multiple cancers at early stages in the blood. And I also knew at that point, no one else is doing that. And that was big enough to kind of jump full into that, to the other side, to becoming an entrepreneur and uh, starting to my work on quantine. That happened at UC Berkeley in the beginning. And, you know, from there, yeah, the rest is short history since 2015. And it has been a super exciting journey where I felt I was privileged to be able to pull together my passions like medicine, economics, complicated math. And, you know, before in medicine, it was a little bit, I liked medicine, but it was not, it was not digital and math enough for me. And mm -hmm. genomics is an enormous transformation for the entire space. I think we still don't really you know, recognize how big that change is. It's a complete transformation of medicine from a pretty old school science or discipline into something that is absolutely at the cutting edge of machine learning, math, statistics, and quantitative science. And that transition has enormous consequences for what medicine can achieve, what the capabilities are in the future, in the very close future or the present, even, and the impact on human lives, of course. And that's why I'm very excited about that. Yeah, Joe, this is super fascinating stuff. I mean, you guys are, I mean, just taking a look at blood and you, you called it out, right? You, blood to help you detect early, you know, the signs of cancer, something that affects so many of us worldwide is critical. And when you take a look at the methods being used to, to get that done, it, there's a big problem, right? It's not, we're not doing it well enough. And so talk to us a little bit about what you guys are doing there. And I think the, is the platform called Serenity, I believe. And with Serenity, tell us about Serenity. Tell us how you're adding value to the healthcare ecosystem with that. Sure, absolutely. So I think blood samples and what what is in a blood sample is a great example of, you know, the transformation that's happening in medicine. So when you look at a PSA test or you look at cholesterol in the blood, I always compare this to, you know, it's like taking a droplet or a pint of water out of the Pacific Ocean and measure the salt. And they said, oh, look, there's salt in the Pacific Ocean. So Pacific Ocean equals there's salt in it. That's totally true. But guess what? There's also other stuff in the Pacific Ocean, like actually a lot of stuff. And that is really a good comparison to, to a blood sample. There, there are trillions and trillions of molecules in that blood sample. There are multiple thousands of different proteins in there, of different proteins. And for each protein, like, you know, millions or billions of copies of, the, of these molecules. And then you have cell-free DNA, of course, in it. So, you know, the questions in this vast amount of biomarkers that literally could tell you everything about a human being if he only knew how to get to that information in a single blood draw. Cell-free DNA is one of the most important biomarkers that hasn't been used in the past. And it is so important because if you look at DNA in a blood sample, especially cell-free DNA, so DNA outside cells, meaning it comes from cells that have died or have been killed. Okay. These DNA fragments carry are damaged because if you kill a cell or a cell kills itself, it's kind of a storm of, you know, it's a chemistry storm, how it's actually getting killed. You create damages, you create mutations. Or the cell got killed because it's a cancer cell, tumor cell, or had this inflammatory condition and already had damages on the DNA. And so the idea is a little bit, when you look, when you, when you become able to pull out these cell-free DNA fragments and sequence them, ideally one by one, 
which is the great innovation that Quantum pushed forward, that we can do it one by one, every single molecule of cell DNA. Then you get a profile of mutations and damage, cell damage, DNA damage, of a patient um, that is vastly more accurate by tens of thousands of times than any, any protein marker, delta in, in concentration would tell you. And that is the Serenity engine that we built is a complex, you know, multi-layer tech stack that starts with extraction technology that is custom to library preparation that is custom, um, that is designed to get sequencing errors out of the process to then, of course, sequencing strategies with Illumina platforms and then goes into the software, the bioinformatics processing, machine learning optimization to actually get to a point where we achieve that single molecule precision. And that single molecule precision allows us to basically throw all your cell-free DNA on a giant wall, one, two, and structure and order it and map every single fragment to a reference DNA and then see how many of these fragments you find at every position of the, not every position, the select position of the genome and then count for each sequence you find the exact number of mutations you find in these fragments. And that gives you a mutational pattern that is vastly higher resolution than what we could do you know, before we did that. And that becomes kind of a unique genomic fingerprint for the entire medical state or like a subset of the medical state of a patient. And because you can basically tell, okay, all the cells that died in your body that had any kind of cell DNA damage that we captured in that blood sample, which is thousands and thousands of them, are kind of a fingerprint of what happened in your body. Do you have a tumor in the body? Do you have inflammation in the body? Are you aging faster? Like all these questions. And it's kind of amazing because out of a single sample, we generate 10 billion genomic data points. So 10 billion reads of individual letters, over 100 million. How big is the sample size? How much blood? Uh, we take three tubes of blood, so 30 milliliters. And you get how much? 10 billion reads. That's crazy. I mean, so, like, it's just, it's amazing to think about this and you're able to sort through it. And I love your analogy, Joe, the ocean. You take a drop out of it. Hey, there's salt in here. Well, there's also a ton of other stuff in here. You're looking at the dead cells. They die in many different ways. And you're able to put together this picture that ties it to the genome and tell us what has happened but is there also prediction there? What could happen or what does the future look like? Is there any of that or, or am I getting ahead of myself here? Well, now we're getting into what Quantin actually does with this whole technology, because I think one of the, that's where the economist comes in a little bit. It's okay. not just about science. You have to do something. You have to create value. You have to create value for patients. That's the centerpiece. And once you create value for patients and extend and protect their lives effectively, you create value for employers who work with their employees and want to protect them uh, and want to minimize costs. They want to maximize protection and minimize costs for their employees. And you work with healthcare systems who want to do the same for their patients. So in order to do that, you need to do something with your science and, and technology. And so what we did is we wrapped that amazing new capability into a delivery system that includes preventative precision care. So we are actually also building a physician group around it and work with physician groups to get that to employers so they have a turnkey solution. How can I use the most advanced genomics platforms uh, to actually deliver preventative care value to my employees? Mm. And we also wrap it into a kind of a medical intelligence layer, software, cloud systems for healthcare systems so they can easily use that. And to your question, what is predictive, we added to that liquid biopsy capability, what I just explained, 
a germline revolution, right? So basically, we also do genetic testing. That is something else than this. The liquid biopsy, looking at cell-free DNA, gives you a snapshot, a very high-resolution snapshot of what's going wrong. And we add to this a lot of innovation on how we test your entire exome for hereditary conditions. And that's more predictive. That is a risk layer we are basically introducing. And together, by combining the snapshot of what's going wrong in your body with one of the most advanced genetic testing platforms, we get actually a comprehensive, pretty comprehensive genomics perspective on your body, what is going wrong currently, and what is your entire risk profile from a genetics perspective. And by overlaying that, we get to pretty accurate insights. Because you want to know if you have a bad signal and you think, oh, that looks a little bit like early stage liver cancer here, right? You still need to know, okay, but what are the odds that that patient has liver cancer at every given point in time? It's kind of a Bayesian problem. And the genetics layer, the hereditary, tells me your lifetime risk in a very high resolution. And so I think combining these two platforms, Quantine is the first company that actually fully integrates both perspectives on the genome. And we developed a system that allows us to do whole exome sequencing, including full clinical analysis for a reasonable price, which wasn't possible before. That was very complicated. So we take genetic testing from a single BRCA panel, for example, where you test for two genes all the way to 20,000 genes investigated. And that's only possible because of cloud AI technology that we added to the whole process. Fantastic. No, thank you for that, Joe. And, and you know, it's good to distinguish and understand how you guys are, are using the tech. And so as we think about how we approach this, I love how you have also added the element of a physician group to the process. It, it kind of makes it turnkey. I, I think another thing that we find in the, in the space is that genomics is confusing and there's not a lot of people that know what to do with it, including doctors. So talk to us about what you believe makes quant gene unique and how do you believe it's improving outcomes today or making business better? I think that's a very important point. And three years ago, when it became clear that we are pulling this off on the genomic side, we looked at the economics of the space and what drives innovation and what is the central objective for a company like ours. And we came up with this very important decision that the mission of Quantine is not to develop technology and then sell it to someone. The mission of Quantine is to extend the healthy human lifespan by 10 years within the next 10 years. And that means we only have one key performance indicator, and that is people who are members one way or the other with us, they need to live longer. We need to show we extend and protect their lives. And then from there, we reasoned, okay, how do we do that? We need the most advanced genomics technology. But if we take that technology, drop it in some random you know, physician's lab, and this physician doesn't know what to do with it, you're losing all the power of that system. And then we talked to a lot of stakeholders in the space, a lot of great preventative care and, and primary care docs, but also oncologists, geneticists, and saw an enormous opportunity beyond the core tech. And that opportunity is you need to vertically integrate everything that is necessary to protect the patient. And everything means a lot of technology layers, but once you have that tech stack ready that we built over the last six years, you need to embedded into a preventative precision care solution. And that means you need to set, you need to have a set of specialists, primary care physicians, preventative care specialists, genetic specialists, who understand and are deeply knowledgeable about that system. And not just that, drive the development of that system. So they are deeply informed, but also inform the system. And that's what I call vertical integration in genomics. So 
it's a little bit like most people in the healthcare industry think, oh, is that really smart? Like no one does that. Like, you know, if you go to Pfizer, they, they don't have like Pfizer clinics or like Johnson Johnson doesn't have Johnson Johnson, Johnson clinics and there are many concerns that they had. But I'm thinking as an innovator, look at Tesla, right? If you look at Tesla, everyone thought they were wrong in the automotive industry. They said you cannot vertically integrate automotive production. You know, what Elon said is like, no, we have to do exactly that. Because if you, de- if you develop a totally new thing and you don't own the entire vertical structure, you can't innovate, right? You, you're getting stuck if you outsource your batteries. Uh, you're never going to get to a great car because you need to own the batteries too. Otherwise, you cannot adopt the car to batteries in the other way around. Totally. The dependencies. You're yeah. getting rid of the dependencies. You're getting rid of the dependencies and the innovation cycles become much shorter. Yeah. Right. If I have to go, if I have to call Mayo Clinic and ask them, look, did you, how did you implement the Serenity system? They say, well, we did it like this and this. And I tell them, well, you have to change that. That's not smart. Okay. How long does it take before Mayo Clinic changes their clinical uh, processes and algorithms to my technology? I don't know how long it will take, but probably much, much longer than when I call my people and say, guys, this is not working. Or the other way around, if Mayo Clinic calls us and says like, oh, we need to do this and this, you know, they have need their contacts, we react probably faster than they would react. But if you have them all in one room and have weekly innovation meetings between the physicians, the geneticists, the machine learning team, the sequencing team, and the clinical evidence generation team, you can get a lot of things done. Mm-hmm. And you can also build solutions, right, where everything is completely integrated. So maybe that sounds like boring innovation theory, but I tell you, in, in reality, the difference of having everyone in a room and everyone working on the same goal, you're talking about six months from idea to deployment versus 15 years. That's yeah. the difference. That's huge. It's a big difference. And it's that compound effect that happens too, right? You guys are working on it slowly. Before you know it, you're light years away. Like your example, Tesla. I love your, your words, healthy human lifespan. Because it's not about lifespan, it's about health span. That is your single, I mean, you know, in this example, KPI. I think it's inspiring. And I'm sure for your team as well, it, it drives toward that ultimate end. And so talk to us a little bit about how this KPI is making an impact to your customers. Well, I think it's a tremendous tool for us because it's very different from any other company in the space because most other bio life science companies are totally not working like that. They think, okay, what does the insurance reimburse? What is the CPT code for Medicare? And that's how you optimize the whole company. Whereas we say, no, because we connect actually healthcare with it inside it and we have actually a patient at the end of that value chain that it needs to benefit and we know what our objective and KPI is, we align everything we do in a completely different way. And that means, to just give you one example, you know, if we see that we hit a certain efficiency with cancer protection, do we invest more incrementally to drive up that cancer protection or do we see what about cardiovascular, right? What about genetic prediction and cardiovascular and what about low-hanging opportunities to protect people better from that? So at some point, our cancer protection efficacy gets so high that incrementally it's smarter to invest in cardiovascular because it kills more people at some point once you protect them enough. Mm-hmm. And then you drive that down, then you can work on cancer again and then on diabetes or something. Normal tech companies don't do that because I say, well, we have the genomics company, therefore we do not deal with cardiovascular devices. They're just not genomics. With Quantine, we have a very different perspective. We are an innovation company at the core with that KPI and whatever keeps our patients most protected that can be done 
in an efficient way we are going to do. And I think that is important. Like if you're a patient and you hire us and become a member as an employee, an employer, or as a clinic or directly, what we understand is you're not just paying us for cancer protection, which is, of course, a very important piece. But in the end, you're paying us to extend your healthy lifespan. And if we totally protect you from cancer and then you die of a stroke, we didn't do our job if that was preventable. And I think that is the key here, that having this holistic perspective really ties our innovation efforts around bang for the buck. And the bang is the extension of healthy human lifespan. And that opens our perspective as a company into the entire space of machine learning, AI, and you're talking to some people, I can't talk too much about it, but it's not genomics, it's about radiology. So there are things you can complement early detection with that are on the radiology side. And at some point, the genomics becomes so effective that you suddenly you can add some radiology aspects to it. So that's how we think, of, think about it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that perspective. And, you know, for the you know self-insured employers listening to this, there's always opportunities to maximize care and as well as, you know, watch the dollars that you're paying for the care. And the opportunity to team up with companies like Quanjin, I think, is, is very unique today. And it's it's amazing to have this option as an employer. So, Joe, talk to us about how you engage with self-insured employers and just some of the some of the value that you're given there. Yeah, there are two angles on that. We just had a great conversation last week with a very innovative employer. And our main target group, what we see is right now, there are two angles for employers. I think that the key angle, the easiest to understand is, you know, benefits. And so normally we have like white collar, high value uh, workforce, as for tech, think tech, think finance, uh, who really compete in the market for the best employees. What we see there is like they're looking for benefits that really make them stand out. What makes you stand out? Well, the most valuable thing you can provide to your employees is the protection of their health and lives and their families. And so I think what we build here is something that is solely structured around that. So it is not very hard to understand for an employee, you know, let's say if you're at JP Morgan versus Morgan Stanley and they compete for the best, you know, traders or analysts or investment bankers. You know, they have to, if JP Morgan can say, well, we protect you and your family with advanced genomics against cancer, and here's the clinical evidence, and Morgan Stanley says, oh, oops, we don't, that doesn't look very good, right? Or the other way around. I don't want to. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not but one or the other. Yeah. yeah. But I think they understand that, right? So it's not very complicated to understand. You either have it or you don't. So that is the first big benefit. And I don't know in the audience if you have more. Uh, listeners from benefits teams or from the medical, from the self-insured side, this is more like driving value. It's not, then there's a cost component to it. The cost component, of course, is harder to prove. This is, as everyone knows, it's healthcare economics, extremely hard to prove if you actually save money in the end or not. It's just intuitively pretty clear that if you do early detection effectively and predictive analytics, genetics, and take the right measures for protecting health, that this is probably good for your cost curve in the long run, or even maybe even in the shorter run. Um, so these are the two big arguments. It's good to invest in preventative care because you're driving down costs. But I think the more immediate benefit is, well, you also you know look at how much you spend for recruitment and retention. How much does it cost you to lose like a $400,000 a year employee or to get them or $250,000, whatever it is, a lot of money. How important is it to retain them? How much damage does it do to you, your churn rate? All of these things are directly, very directly impacted by benefits. And it's very hard to find benefits where you can go out and say, look, 
I have this thing that no one has that has the highest possible value for my employees. And that's why we see a pretty good uptake. That's what people like about serenity system. That's fantastic, Joe. Thank you for that. I was just uh, curious around that point. So it's been several years. You guys have been running with this and you're making huge strides. What would you say is one of the biggest setbacks you had and a key learning that came out of that setback? So that's a very easy answer here. The biggest setback we had is, you know, to get to commercialization where we got there early this year after six years. And Everyone basically gave us the wrong advice on that. They all said, oh, you need a clear LET. That's so easy. You just submit a little bit to the Department of Health and you get an approval. Everyone gets their clear approval fast. Now, that is true if you do a PSA test or if you do a genetic normal sequencing test. If you go out and tell the Department of Health, we have the world's most advanced single molecule sequencing technology, which we have to say because this is in our reports that they have to sign off. They are not just going to say, fine, like, you know, do two experiments and, and send me the stuff. And they are going to say, are you kidding me? Like, if you claim that and you want us to sign it, you better prove it. And so yeah. we ran into this little ignorance in, on the lab diagnostics side that people said, oh, yeah, you just develop your stuff and the end you just submit it and get your clear approved including some people in our industry because they just did normal sequencing. For us, it was a ridiculous amount of effort to get that clear because we needed to prove that we have single molecule detection accuracy and because it is literally signed off by you know the Department of Health. So we needed to show if you have a single molecule of DNA in a blood sample in the plasma that we detected. And in order to prove that, you need to prove it scientifically. You need to have orthogonal validation and all kinds of things, which is extremely hard because it's hard to find other technologies that can orthogonally validate something like that. So I think that delayed us probably 18 months. And that was dangerous for the company, obviously. We had a blind spot there because all advisors said, no problem, just get here. And uh, so we got delayed 18 months, but finally, you know, got it done end of last year. And then COVID hit and then everyone got delayed too that came on top of it. So it just taught me, okay, if you do really new things, it's good to listen to some people, but never believe, like listen to everyone, believe no one. That's that's what you have to do. <laughs> that's a good lesson, Joe. And you're right. I mean, you, you guys are doing something completely new. You're getting advice from people. It was well-intentioned advice, but it, it wasn't what you were doing. And yep. uh, 18 months later, but you got it approved, which is awesome. And congratulations. That's huge. That is huge. Yeah, it was a big relief at the end. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I have seen a lot of companies and entrepreneurs in med tech and also, you know, diagnostics and innovation. I admire you guys so much because it, it takes so long to get there. And it's those that have the strongest vision and mission that stay with it, that make it. And you've obviously showed us that here today, Joe, that you guys are crystal clear about what you guys want to achieve. And it's it's invigorating. So you made it through that. Now you guys are in the commercialization phase. It's huge. What would you say you're most excited about today? I'm truly most excited. I'm always excited about my tech, but that's like a base excitement, right? Okay, yeah. understanding that you can build these new, what I call the data cube, where you have germline genetics, then you have somatic genetics, like somatic variant detection. And then you have the third dimension, which is deep clinical data. That gets to the magic cube where you have, and we are building a beautiful cloud system around, so we have much better access from a machine learning perspective to that data than anyone ever had. It's a massive transformation how we can access this data. So that's my base excitement. But my biggest excitement is actually the physician group, mm. because 
to blend these two worlds together has never been done before. Like no one has ever really merged these two worlds, biotech and medicine. It sounds like a little crazy, but this has never been done. And it was yeah. always separate entities, completely separate entities, separate economic interests. Uh, one waits for the other or the other around. And to merge that into one singular entity that says we do everything, including deep tech, including clinical processes and algorithms, to create an innovation machine with a single objective, and that is to keep you and your family alive and healthy. And we do whatever it takes to get there. And we build deep technical capabilities connected to the best physicians that also are integrated. That really excites me. And we have, you know, out there, I just had one excellent primary care doc from LA waiting for me. We are still finding time, but I just see him. So, you know, this is very exciting because it's so new and, every, and they get so excited. The physicians get so excited because they have never done that before. Mm. Like as a primary care or preventative care specialist or even genetic specialist, you're not sitting with the machine learning guys and determine the true nature of the technologies that you're going to use with your patients. That's normally not happened. And that's just beautiful and gives us amazing access to talent. We have like a unique pitch also to physicians. They are, everyone who's passionate about that stuff says, are you kidding me? Of course, I'm going to join you guys and can like shape this whole thing. So it's very interesting. It feels like very disruptive and it feels like really the, the brakes are removed from innovation now. I don't know how the industry is going to react, but I, we are super excited about it because we see the patients and the physicians and our technical experts are all, you know, it's kind of weird. Everyone's like, how is this even possible? That's like my little paradise here. And then I think like, what is so, what did we actually do? Well, we just said, let's remove the barrier to make it one thing. I love it. Yeah. And, and ultimately it is exciting to see the integration of that practice and how something like this, the quant gene platform could become a, a turnkey solution for a lot of players in, a, in our field looking to provide, and I'll use your words again, a healthier human lifespan, as uh, Joe alluded to earlier in, in our interview. So this is fantastic, Joe. You're leaving me, and I know the, the listeners very excited about the future. Before we conclude, why don't you leave us with the closing thought and the best place where the listeners can get in touch with you or your team for their collaboration or, or to get more information? Uh, you can always shoot me an email at jb at quantine.com or visit us on quantine.com. And yeah, the closing thought is the, I think we, in this decade, that's why I'm using a decade within a decade. I think we are in a very special decade in the 2020s. This decade will be defined by two big things. Genomics, that includes machine learning, AI, and cloud, but also core genomics, and the merger and unification of healthcare and biotechnology into a singular thing that only serves that mission to extend the healthy human lifespan. It's absolutely clear to me at this point that this is the only way to get the job done. And once you overcome that barrier and fully integrate it and say, we don't care if you have to change clinical processes and optimize them, or if you have to change the primers on the sequencing side or build new radiology capabilities, it's all one thing with one purpose. And by doing that, the level of innovation efficiency gets just increases by multiple magnitudes. And I think the effects of that will be dramatic. So that's my prediction for the next 10 years. I love it. And uh, one of my good business mentors uh, who's been very successful uh, left me with one of his regrets. It was, you know, I didn't think long term enough. I didn't think 10 years at a time or more. And here you are giving me the decade. And I'm like, yeah, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you think. 
So Joe, just want to say thank you. Really phenomenal work. We're going to be rooting for you guys. So let's definitely stay in touch and maybe you know, within the next six months to a year, we'll get you back on to, to hear how you and the, and the company and your customers are doing. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks a lot, Saul. Really appreciate it. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.